Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than just an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, and I hope you all had a fun 4th of July weekend. For all our international fans, the 4th is the day we celebrate our country's independence by drinking our weight in Bud Light, scarfing down as many tubes of emulsified uh, pig parts as we can, and trying to scare all the dogs in the country with explosions in the sky. If that doesn't make sense to you, then you just don't get America. (laughs) Please enjoy responsibly. Of course, we all know drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I awoke a couple of friends from their hot dog-induced food comas and gave them each a microphone, and they are... Ryan, your music connoisseur. And Pedro, your mixologist. And our guest today is a very talented German-born singer and songwriter. He came to the U.S. via a class trip to Las Vegas when he was 18 and decided never to go back. He released his first LP, They Might Have Even Loved Me, a personal favorite of mine, in 2018, a tribute to all the women in his life from his godmother, the one and only Shaka Khan, to True Loves, to Summer Flings, has since accumulated almost 300 million streams in addition to catching the ear of music legends like Pharrell Williams and Elton John. He's here today to talk about his long-awaited follow-up record, which had fans waiting just a little bit longer because of that darned pandemic. It marks a bold new chapter in his experimental blend of electronic and alternative music and is sure to make an appearance in all of your summer playlists. Tunes and Tumblr spam, please welcome Noah Macbeth, better known to the world as Nambe, to the pod. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And you're in person. <laughs> I, I am in person. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to do that voice the whole time. I was prepared for that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I need a few more drinks for that. <laughs> yeah, this is really great. Uh, my partner told me to tell you as I was leaving that uh, she is a huge fan and she can't wait to get the Chromatopia LP in the mail. Oh, amazing. That makes yeah. me so happy. She was one of the, the ones that got on that first drop. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've been a fan uh, for a while and you really got to thank the algorithm. Your song Freak Like Me got onto my Apple New Discovery in like mid-2017. I'm like, wow. who the heck is this guy? And then just since then, it's just been drop after drop after drop and it's just kind of built. Yeah, it's been a lot of music at this point. Um, I was counting it the other day. I think I released like seven over seventy songs and just several albums and of course like the main original records. There's the Might Even Love Me that you mentioned and Chromatopia. But yeah, we've released a lot of stuff. A lot of remixes, a lot of uh covers, all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, and we're gonna get into that in a minute. But first it's time for all of us to catch up after our holiday. What has everyone been listening to lately? I can go first. Look like you were looking at me. Uh, <laughs> everyone, Pedro. I'm trying to do the whole eye contact thing that eye I've contact. forgotten how to do after a year of pandemic. I mean, yeah, we're acclimating you back into the wild. Um, so I've been listening lately to uh, Han. I love Han. I've been listening to them for a few years, and they came out with some new music recently. Uh, three singles um, in a little EP called Part One, What Would You Do? Um, they collaborate with uh, Pink Sweats, and then they have uh, another single on there. But my favorite single on it is called Now I'm Alone, featuring Sofia Valdez, who is a singer-songwriter from Panama, and her voice is 
beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet. And their, their songs are always so like sultry and like, this one's a little heartbreaking, but it's still so great to listen to. It's very sexy. So Han, get into it. Wait, how do you spell Han? Uh, H-O-N-N-E. Oh, I always thought it was Hani. I know who you're talking about oh, now. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't know. I just pronounce all of the letters. <laughs> as when, a rule. When in doubt, yep. yeah. As a rule. He's Your W just dropped the best singles of 2021 so far. Oh, yeah. This is a thing we do now where we release it mid-month or mid-year. <laughs> um, so much you gotta music. Be, you got to be the first one. <laughs> which friend of the show, John Moses, uh, DJ and KSRW, you. contributed to. Um. There's one on there from a group called Spiritual Mafia, and the song is Alfresco that I like. They have an album out, and the name is just so good, of course, but it's like very kind of like hazy, just nasty-sounding kind of post-punk. Very um, right up my alley, of course. So I'm digging that. Oh, sick. It's Yeah, I'd recommend it. So far, so good this year. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's what I got on it. Good year for music so far. I want to hear. I want to hear what you got on the uh, on the queue. Oh, uh, um, I I I have been and continue to be obsessed with this band Nikki and the Dove. They're oh, Swedish hell yeah. band. You know them? They're Swedish duo. Um, I I I I started DMing them, like the fanboy that I am, and I was like, <laughs> you know, we should do something. And I'm a big fan, and so we'll see what happens. I mean, they responded. They were receptive. So I hope nice. I hope we can actually make something happen. And then I am forever. Uh, listening to Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Oh yeah. Um, I'm just a big psychedelic rock um guy, and anything that is adjacent from 60s Brazilian uh uh folk and and funk. Uh, a lot of Beatles. I'm thinking, who else is like new that I'm like electric guest? I like a lot. Ooh. Yeah, big fan. And um. <laughs> Oh, oh, uh, uh, you ever heard of The Millennium? I haven't. Enlighten it us. sounds really contemporary, right? The Millennium. Yeah. But it's actually a, like, California, like, uh, um, fl- flower, uh, summer of love type band from the, okay, okay. the late 1960s. And they sound kind of like a very specific type of sound that the Beatles only had sometimes. It has, like, that, like, the mix of the mamas and the papas and the Beatles, sort of. Mm. You know, when the Beatles got folksy, that's what they sound like. Okay. Mm. You know, it's a little less rock. It's more like just beautiful music. Love it. And See, I have the, to add that. Part one rule of the show is that any song or piece of music that gets mentioned gets added to the Spotify playlist for it. Oh, hey. so, so glad, you just stacked the playlist. You just yeah. stacked the playlist. The playlist. Damn, I should have just named five Numbe songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those will those will be on there. Those will be on there for sure. Those yeah. will be on there. Uh, I've been listening to me, me, and me. <laughs> the, what are you listening to, Anthony? What am I listening to? Uh, it's been, oh, gosh, it's been uh, time to unwind for me. Um, as listeners know, I have I've been in school for the past year, and I just had three weeks off, and I needed to chill. Just needed to kick back and not think about anything really. So I've been listening to the Maria's new album, uh, Cinema. And uh, we've talked about Hush, the first single on yep. on the show before, yep. uh, and j- the whole album is is incredible. It I heard, yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm embarrassed to say, it, but I, I'm very excited to listen to it. Get into it. They do a little bit of what you do with your like little chromatopia um, interludes, and mm-hmm. so like 
interspersed throughout the the record. They do these instrumental tracks that are all about creating a scene because calling it cinema is no mistake. They write as if they are scoring a movie and they are creating the movie through the music. Wow. So yeah, I love that. It's mm-hmm. gonna, I love. They that. have obviously have like a really strong creative director on the team, which you do as well. I'm I'm sure. Well, now we have we have a really stacked playlist, and we have barely we gotten into we anything. We're even in the bar. <laughs> we ain't drunk yet. Oh yeah, we do need to head into the bar. We need to get into the bar and get this party started properly. But in order to do that, we need to show the bouncer your ID, Noah. What did you bring with you today to show him? I, I have to grab it. It's over there. Go Let's for it. it. So I brought this crystal, um, or or some Whoa. may call it um a rock. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it is obviously as you can see it's much more beautiful than that mm-hmm. and um, it was given to me by a friend uh, an, an artist that uh, I started working with and and uh, she had two of them and we were catching up the other day and gave her a ride home and she was like hey you want a crystal and I was like sure love a crystal everybody needs a good crystal and they're, they're best if they're gifted to you yeah. that's the thing oh is that right it's so a- yeah yeah, it's like a tarot deck. Like it doesn't work unless somebody gives it to you or something like that. Did she tell Don't you what kind me. of crystal it is? See, I wish I I had better memory. She, it's a, she it's told a pretty me. one. It looks kind of like an amethyst, but then it has all these blues in it, which is kind mm-hmm. of unusual. So I don't know. I well, don't know. Well, really our bouncer pretty. is just getting lost in in the beauty. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's the we scene can just... in uncut gems. He's just staring <laughs> into the <laughs> soul. <laughs> oh goodness, let's let's get past him while this is happening. That's an incredible. Hurry while piece. he's not paying attention. Yep. All right. So here we are in the bar, and I think that means that we need to uh, we need to get the tunes going before we can get behind the bar. Ryan, what are we listening to today? We're listening to Chromatopia, the new album from Nambe, out now on Third Brain Records. And you know, I've been waiting for this one for a long time. And don't get me wrong, there's been plenty to chew on in the meantime. I must have listened to They Might Have Even Loved Me a hundred of times, and the remix album even more. Wow. Like it's That's It was incredible. one of those things where like an artist will put out like a remix album, and it's like, yeah, there's one or two good tracks, but it's just like, it's completely new and it's it, it's good in like completely new ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's um it's actually we we internally like the label and everybody we we very consciously did not call it a remix album because but it's like fine or whatever, but we wanted it to feel to us like we're reimagining the album. Mm-hmm. Because a remix album typically like you send the stems to different remixers and producers. Right. And so what we did is that we encourage people to write their own verses, take the stems, do what you want. And I'll, I I also joined some of the sessions and rewrote what I did. Oh, wow. Right. And so mm-hmm. it was only like taking small pieces of the original songs and then making something new. So it it is, um, some of the songs, I mean, it, it, it really takes like a, a, a listener that knows the original songs really well to even recognize that they're mm-hmm. related. Um, it's not just like it's sped up or with, 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 with like a four on the floor beat underneath or something. <laughs> yeah. It's uh <laughs> it's a really it's its own album and and it so it makes sense that you actually really gravitate towards it. Like a lot of people have told me like that it's like one of their favorite albums and it's not the original record, you mm-hmm. know. Uh which doesn't mean it can't be original, but you know, uh I'm I'm glad. It was it was a lot of work. 
And the team worked a lot on that. Yeah, and it really yeah. shows. And now we finally get to sit down with a new album here. And, you know, it's very different in tone uh, from your first album. Uh, but it has this lightness. It's kind of perfect for summer, uh, which is in full swing right now. But let's save all that until Pedro shows us what he's got mixing up behind the bar. Mm-hmm. What have you got? So lightness and perfect for summer is sort of a perfect segue into this drink. Um, listening Chromatopia was, well, first of all, the interludes, I think, are my favorite part. Like the, just the instrumentals. Beautiful. Um, but listening to the album, it, it just brought up so many thoughts of, you know, obviously love, heartbreak, and the complications that can come with relationships and everything. And I started thinking about how when you talk about love in an abstract way, it can seem so simple and so easy and so sweet and lovely. And then when you actually, you know, get your hands in the dirt of it, it can be <laughs> complex and weird. And it's a it's a commitment. You're committing to something. So for this drink, I kind of wanted to encapsulate a little bit of everything. And there was also a quote you had with Atwood Magazine where you talked about colors you're not really knowing where one starts the other you know mm-hmm. begins or yeah. the other one ends and they all just kind of melt together so i kind of wanted to incorporate that as well so this drink um as i said a very light summery drink it's just some malibu um some pineapple juice and i wanted to incorporate a little bit of california and what is cal what is more california than i told ryan what is more california than a mexican import so we're using some Haritos uh, fruit punch I soda. That. I love that. Um, in with this as well, and some lime seltzer, a um, little bit of bitters, and like some muddled up mint just to give it a little extra freshness. And then, so it's nice and bubbly. It's light. It's sweet, but it's not too sweet. And then on top, I just threw a bunch of rainbow sherbet, which will melt, and the colors will just sort of start to dissolve together, and it becomes this whole new thing, and it just changes over time. And I really wanted to make the drink large because it's the kind of thing where if you're going to order it you have to fucking commit to it for a while you're going to take the time with it um and you're going to stick with it and it's going to and it's going to be a while and it might end but hey you'll just get another one maybe (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that's i kind of wanted it to be something that you have to kind of sit and appreciate for a while and just sort of linger on just just like the album that's what i wanted exactly and i mean i just wanted to be super colorful yeah wow chromatopia I appreciate oh, yeah. that so much. That means a lot. Oh, yeah. No. And I'm Thank I'm you like for the music. Uh, of course, you know, I'm I'm a very uh a pleasure, you know, a sensory person mm-hmm. and for me attention to detail um is really important and I recognize it and and this is great. This is a really really tasty drink. Thank you Seriously. so much. What's it called? I appreciate that. Oh, it's called a painted California. And painted California. Paint California. <laughs> All right. Cheers, cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Uh, Got to reach over. Boy, Pedro, guys. you're sitting too far away. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least we're not sitting way over on Zoom. That was the entire pandemic. We had to stop seeing guests live for over a year, and we just forgot how to do it. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad I came. And I'm and I, I, I such a space kid. I was checking you know, to run the show, and I was like, oh. They're here. <laughs> and like an hour before, I'm like, well, I hate Zooms, so let me just jump in my car. Let me take a shower. Love it. But the thing is, the goblet is so big that every time I bring it to my mouth, I have to move the mic. <laughs> yeah. Get these goblets at uh, um, El Tejano. These, no, I didn't. I actually bought these. I paid for these because I, I had a I had a Corona Rita phase. 
Oh my god! A while where I was <laughs> Wait, making these... margaritas and I was dropping Coronas into them. Yep. Oh, yeah. that Corona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you, you can't just drop that. <laughs> can't just throw Corona around anymore. Is that, <laughs> is that pandemic margaritas? Oh no! Oh no! No no! God no! It was like that's right. Oh man. Oh, sorry. So, I was... so casually, I was like, <laughs> Corona Rita. What was that boardroom meeting like? What was the marketing meeting at Corona Light? <laughs> what? Oh, the no, CDC. No. no. Oh, oh God. Imagine they're like, fuck. I remember like <laughs> you guys need to stop be... promoting. <laughs> I remember like a week before everything shut down, I was like driving in the rain and I'm like, everything's going to hell. My, my life is over, whatever. And then there's just a giant billboard for like, it, it was like for a new Corona seltzer. It's like, get a little Corona in your life. And I like took a picture. I'm like, this ain't it, chief. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like at the CDC, there was just like a couple Budweiser representatives bribing. Oh, <laughs> no. Bribing the CDC. Oh, hey, like, hey, what if we called it the what, Corona? Yeah, or what? I don't know. Just off the top of my head. Let's call it Corona. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> you know what? That's way more likely, right? That another company lobbied. Yeah. Yep. Listen, wow. we're willing. We're willing. That's to walk good. away if you call it Corona or Pacifico virus. <laughs> Pacifico. <laughs> that sings a little better. Damn. I would have chosen Pacifico. <laughs> I, I, been I think I would have felt less bad about the whole thing. Well, thank this... God neither of you were at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as much as I want to talk about this, let's let's get to <laughs> the interview. Um, first, I know that you talked with our pod daddy, Mitch Mosk, for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a cool dude. Um, he's the one who makes all of this possible. He's the cult leader. He is the cult leader. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he got to talk to you about Chromatopia, uh, first and, you know, first of all, rude. Um, he knew that we were trying to, to get you in here. But, uh, secondly, uh, you know, he was just as ecstatic about the album as we are. Uh, and, you know, we're going to do our best not to cover the same ground here, but I think that we got to ask this same question for all of our listeners. Um, can you tell us? the story behind this album? How did it come together for you? There are many different layers to the record. I think sonically, it's, it's, it's really inspired by my childhood and early sort of feelings of, of love and innocent love. At that time, I was playing piano recitals. I was, um, I was a super anime nerd. Um, like big into film scores. I always noticed scores to to movies, especially to anime, and fell in love with the themes of like Sailor Moon and and even video games. You know, like Tetris, uh, not, not Tetris, uh, Zelda, or or Final Fantasy. Like really, really great scores, and that was the first time I noticed that Japanese uh, classical music had a its own sound. Um, and it had this sound that that has this melancholy. It's like what I what I call happy sad. It's not really you know one or the other, and and that's and that's a feeling I associate with with love. It's like nostalgia, really. And so I decided to go to Japan and sort of figure out what is that? Why why am I so drawn to this? But I'm also drawn to Daft Punk and electronic music and modular music of the 60s and 70s the early synthesizers or 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 1980s even like early like you know commercial synthesizers and <clears throat> i i found sort of like this intersection between baroque and mozart 
and and the way they play. And when I started making the interlude for Chromatopia, I also thought of sort of this robot Mozart. And one of the people that I wrote the interlude with was this artist, Big Data. Oh, and, yeah, I uh, love him. Yeah, And I, he came in, and we, we, we've written... Um, a song on the previous album called Drama together. Yeah, one of the one of my favorites. Yeah, thank you. He's he's incredible. He's a freak of a musician. He's one of those people that plays everything. He's a great lyricist, great melodies, great producer, everything. And he came in and he was like, you know, what, what do you want to do, man? And I was like, you know, I've been kind of on this melancholy classical music vibe and. Most of my fans don't know I play piano, so I definitely want to prioritize piano on the next record. And he started playing the chords almost immediately to the intro. He basically was like, bum, 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 like moving in force kind of. Mm-hmm. And at first he had a four chord progression. I was like, yo, keep going, keep going further down. And, and I was like, just keep doing that, keep doing that. And then I started playing like, dum, dum, dum. And so we played it as a loop in the room together over and over. And I was like, yo, that sounds so sad, but so good. It just feels like it just feel, it feels like the intro to like Bohemian Rhapsody or something, yeah. you know? And <clears throat> compare, compare myself to Freddie Mercury real quick. Had to do that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, there needs to be a piano version, but there also needs to be a synthesizer version. And then I ended up making like a third version and calling them Chromatopia ABC. And that was sort of the pillars for the rest of the record. Like I knew it would have guitar. I didn't want to like alienate my fans too much, but I wanted it to feel more like centered around keys as opposed to guitar. And then, you know, that's that's the sonic side of it. Mm-hmm. Right, and then there's the lyrical side of it and the cultural side of it, which is that I've been going through a, a really intense relationship, um, in the best way. I think, um, you know, I've been dating, um, uh, I've been dating the same person for eight years and gone through all the ups and downs, and 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 wanting to wanting to be with this person forever and. Things just sometimes, as all relationships do, get really, really hard, really difficult. And when you, when you both sort of find success, and now there's all this demand and pressure, and there's all these other people, and all this temptation, and 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 sometimes it's it's neither of yours fault, but you just grow apart a little. And with with us in particular, we decided to open things up, loosen things up. We got our own places. And we said, like, hey, like, you know, I think I'm okay if we see other people from time to time. Because I think infidelity starts when we hide parts of ourselves. And so communication is so, so important. But anyways, I'll, we'll say that for a relationship podcast. But um, <laughs> the album is essentially about that because there is so much growth, so much beauty, so much love, but also so much mistakes and insecurity and wishing i was more um, more available physically you know more present and so this this is really very personal and very much my life and not just my life but like inner dialogue and and things and 
I, I felt like it was best represented by the color spectrum and also the spectrum of, of relationship. Like, you don't have to be just friends or just lovers or just this. It's like, as long as it's communicated, like, and you know what you mean to each other, that is what you are. And and part of my, my want with this album is people to also consider that you don't have to be one thing forever or in this way. Like, I may be open or poly now, but I may be monogamous next year. Mm-hmm. And society puts a lot of pressure on on young people and people in general and this idea of knowing what box you fit in. And so the reality is there is there literally is no box. Like how how is when does this green start becoming this green? You know what I mean? There's so much in between. And so there, the album. The reason I picked the color is because there's the relationship, there's there's the the openness, there's the sexuality aspect, and that's why the the theme was love is a spectrum. That's the most encompassing way I can say it. And for us, chromatopia is the word that sort of sums that up. It's mm-hmm. it's sort of like a utopian, um world that i'm sort of building and i think conceptually that is far more um holds far more weight than i think the first album does even though a lot of people are like well i love your rock sound and i don't care but i've done a lot of work on this album to conceptualize this thing and to be disciplined in the creative process to stick to it and um i'm 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 super happy I'm super happy how it turned out. It's difficult and maybe even futile to even plot yourself on there. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, if you're looking at a spectrum, it looks two-dimensional, but it's really four-dimensional. It changes through time. It's like a time worm. You, are you familiar with the, uh, the th- theory of a time worm? No, please enlighten me. Okay. <laughs> so every person is basically a time worm. Like you are at a particular point and look a particular way at one point in time. But as soon as you start moving through time, if you were to look at uh, the fourth dimension, you would look like a worm because you would move all over the place, but you're still like one entity that changes and changes. Like Donnie Darko. Yeah, it's exactly like Donnie Darko. Mm. And so like Mm. what you were saying about like, you could be this one day, but you could be this the other day, but there's really no... There's no telling like when you became something else. Do you even become something else? Yes. And it's and that's why I love it so much. And I th- you know, this is like a philosophical sort of conversation and it's it's also a conversation of biology and physics and all these things. And that's what I, why why I think the album has a lot of weight, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, "Ooh, ooh, I love you." It's like this idea, what you just described, also has a lot to do with what it's time worm idea has a lot to do with how if we look at time as linear or whether we look at like the universe as a, as a sort of linear, linear experience. And the more you think about it, the reality. Oh, man, we getting like Matt Joe Rogan up in here. We had, we had, I mean, have you seen the size of these goblets here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> reality is very much or completely informed by our senses 
and and in a in a more concrete way by language and ideas mm-hmm. and language has a lot to do with it and language has a history and in 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 its in its essence language is very limited oh yeah right yes uh, this is why we have miscommunication in the first place but it's 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 also the fact that like any other language you learn will give you a new perspective and only by really getting more and more specific you can approximate truth because everything is paraphrased anything right. i tell you is a, is a recollection of something else that i may have seen i'm translating that now you have to compute and if if you talk to me and i'm like i'm from germany right but if my english was more poor it would distort more of the experience of what i'm telling you but it doesn't it doesn't reflect on my intelligence it just right. means i have poor grammar and so a lot of what we think of reality is because of how, of how we're taught language and our language is binary mm-hmm. and that that has to do with um how binary latin and germanic languages were already um as opposed to southeast asian languages which are more like contextual and mm-hmm. um more visual and so everything is is very specific everything is left right up down black white um are you hot? Are you cold? You know, are you happy? Are you sad? We've had this conversation so many times on this. I was, was going to say, yeah. this has been a running theme. This is. Like yes. this season. Season. Wow. season three of Tunes and Tumblers is all wow. about liminal space. Like, um, it's, I think it was sad yeah. Alex, right? She's like, English sucks. Like, we can't, we don't have we're these. Happy we don't or have, we're happy or we're sad. Yeah, like, we don't have yeah. these words that, like, other cultures and languages have to describe yeah, this <clears throat> big idea. The, the thing Did, is, like, mm. you can learn a lot about a culture's history from what their language is able to communicate to you. Yeah. And so you're exactly right about, like, Latin being very very pres- prescriptive and yeah, yeah like uh western medicine and science and thought has always been very rigid and yeah and and don't get me wrong i think any language has has its its merit and its place i think there's a reason that law and math have 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 really taken off in 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 really the the middle east really india but like middle east egypt and then ultimately europe um from whether it's it's the ancient greeks to um to ancient rome the early uh societies that were lawmakers if you if you get if you get into law or mathematics it's a lot about specific definitions it's about being accurate and arabic lettering lends itself to a lot to accuracy because you can like a puzzle make any phonetic sound with it you can't do that in 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 chinese and th- th- this is or, or in japanese this is why they have um um katakana and hiragana and kanji is to incorporate new words that never existed and to make new sounds because their alphabet doesn't account for these sounds so with the Arabic alphabet, we can make French, German, English, anything, even a language that's yet to be invented, we could express with our al- alphabet. Mm. And so it is really powerful, and you don't need to have 3,000 letters. You just need to know 26 of them, and you can make most things, right? So it is it is really uh, practical. But I don't know if y'all watch The Simpsons. Y'all watch The Simpsons? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 
I was telling these guys. I, I, that think, was one of I my, think you just went through like all of it. Oh yeah, that was one of my quarantine projects. Is I tried to watch like all seven hundred episodes of The <sighs> Simpsons. Oh my god, there's something that I always thought was hilarious, and that started making sense to me once I went to Asia the first time. It's something where Homer Simpson is like super frustrated, and Lisa comes in and says, "Well." Did you know that the Chinese use the same word for crisis as for opportunity? And he goes, "Yes, crisisunity." <laughs> yes, it's like crisisunity. Um, wow. And, and I always thought that was really interesting, and I've always been into facts since I was a kid. I was obsessed with facts, and when I went to um, China and japan for the first time or thailand for the first time really somebody explained to me no actually i was in japan and and somebody explained to me the history of some japanese lettering and to do that he had to explain to me the, sort of the basis of chinese lettering which is that in ancient chinese the word bird actually kind of looked like a bird it's like it stems from hieroglyphics almost, i was gonna say it's almost like a hieroglyph yeah exactly and as culture progressed and as things were added, you know, they 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 don't they didn't have an, an airplane word, right? They only have the ancient word for machine and the ancient word for bird and and a line that means flight. So the line makes it a verb or an action. And so what happens with a word like chrysotunity or, <laughs> or 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 actually opportunity it's not that they use the same word. It's more that the word opportunity, when you write it, you have to start with, um, you know, like the word like chance. And you add a line and it's luck. You add another line, it's disfortune. You add another line, it makes it a verb. Or, and, and so by the time you make the word opportunity, you've written four other words that in a, in a, in a philosophical sense, are part of opportunity. But anyways, you have to think, in Japanese, you have to know how the sentence is going to end right? before you start the sentence. In English, you can be like, hey, man, what do you think uh, we should do tomorrow if Sarah still comes through? <laughs> like, you, know, like, you can kind of flow and get out of a sentence. Mm -hmm. In Japanese, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, It's like none of the words make sense until the last word comes in. And that's why it's so fucking hard. Yeah. Because you can't really speak broken Japanese. You kind of got to know, like, how am I going to... I feel I like trying to learn Japanese is so fucking hard. I feel like we could use more of that philosophy over here. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't, yeah, fucking, yeah, don't yeah. fucking speak until you know how it's going <laughs> to end. True. Yeah. That is so true. Oh, Lord. But that all has to go into what you're doing. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, do you... Yeah. Like, so you said you're learning Japanese. Yep. Is that playing at all into what you're creating? Like, especially since we're just talking about how there's so much philosophy just in learning the language itself. Not directly. It's mm -hmm. just like, again, like I'm a very thorough person. Mm -hmm. And if I start saying something, if I'm using kanji letters in my cover art, I kind of have to know, like, what is the meaning behind it? I have to think of it from all angles. And I'm also superstitious. So I don't want to actually make an album that doesn't hit certain marks and that feels mm -hmm. like I should be making this album right now. Yeah. And um and I believe in being like a rounded person, you know. I don't believe in being like a, a just what do you call that? Like a, a one trick pony. Right. You know, like 
every story I tell is something that I did. You know what I mean? Like it, like it's, it's not like I did anything crazy. It's just you need to live life to have something to draw from. Right. So, and that's why I also sometimes excuse not being in the studio all the time. Like I also party and I also like, you know, experience stuff. Mm-hmm. And you gotta get into fights. You gotta do the thing and 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 learn you and have to be where the inspiration get is. to know yourself and travel and and do drugs and whatever like you know <laughs> write it write it all off as research on your taxes yeah exactly <laughs> of course i mean within reason yeah. it's not like i'm like i need to know what heroin is <laughs> to finish this album <laughs> but this you know, is this is really gonna round out this album well this heroin. Yeah. <laughs> I do psychedelics a fair amount, if, if you can't judge by, like, everything about me. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love psychedelics. I have not tried them yet, but. Really? Not, yeah. I've really? Been, yeah. I'm Psycho. surprised by that. <laughs> well, we're, we're, not, we're not counting things like MDMA, right? No, that's, that's, not, not, a psychedelic. Okay. that's not a psychedelic. See, I'm just a baby. I'm, I just don't. Uh, yeah, no LSD yet, no mushrooms. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I am not the ambassador. Of, I actually am very straight edge. I don't do anything <laughs> except for psychedelics at this point. I've never tried cocaine. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I used to smoke a lot of weed, but I haven't smoked weed in six years. Um, but psychedelics also, I don't trip out. I microdose a lot. Mm. I do a lot of research. I'm big into psilocybin therapy, ketamine therapy. I don't do it to get high because I want to be strung out. I I I I very much love being present, mm-hmm. and I I'm not using it as escapism. I'm doing it to help me be more present. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a big distinction, you know. Um, because most people do drugs to get away from the, themselves. Right. Um, and so I at least try mushrooms at some point. <laughs> and there is substantial evidence now saying that mushrooms also evolved with us. Right. As we consumed it as early primates, because it it, it is regenerative to um, brain function, and when you do it, and don't do too much of it, of course, but when you do it, there is an introspection that kicks in that is very real. It's not like, oh, I'm feeling funny. It's more like it forces you to think about parts of yourself in ways you've never thought about them before. Mm. It forces you to sort of think about oh, what did my parents mean when this happened when I was a child? Like, oh, they were just really working hard. They were really insecure. They were traumatized from this and my grandparents. And like, oh my God, like, I can't be mad at anybody because they're all just like, it's like dominoes, you know? And Yeah. Well, you heard it, folks. Get Chromatopia, <laughs> put it on, microdose some magic mushroom tea, and that's the <laughs> best way to experience this album. Oh, and have yourself a painted California. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Atwood Magazine in no way endorses what I've just been saying. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, this has been such a great talk, and I really wish we had more time. I think that we've actually, like... I do feel like, with all the talking, I get why this album is what it is now, though. Yeah. Uh, Big time. See, there are different ways to find the truth, I think. We can ask straightforward questions, or we could just dive into it. We haven't even talked about musically much on this album at all. But, but that's kind of a like as a listener. If you haven't heard it, you're gonna. I feel like I you're gonna want to listen to it. Yeah, after, yeah you, after you're this. gonna get it. 
Well, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, right. Like, it's like like I said, like talking about genres and stuff. Yeah, yeah. People always like, "What does your music sound like?" It's like you should listen to it. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's always more interesting when you're like, "Why don't you tell me what you think it sounds like?" Yeah, give me the elevator pitch. R I Y L. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That was actually our very first episode. (laughs) We were discussing Maggie Rogers. She wasn't here. We were just starting. We were but a wee podcast. We were a wee pod. (laughs) But that was we were talking about this idea that genre really doesn't exist anymore and you know ryan works in the sync world and so oftentimes you know he'll get pitches that try to put a name on something that is really nameless because how else are you going to sell to a brand that this song belongs here right so you know it's more about mood it's about vibe what is what when you okay we're going to go around the circle you're listening to chromatopia what is your vibe this is interesting. It was, well, it's like immediately when I first heard it, and you know, you hear the instrumental come in. It's like you were saying before, like this is sad, but it is beautiful. Like it, that's kind of it for me through the entire album. Like there is a sadness, and there's like a hurt, but there's a beauty to all of it too. Like it's everything in one big piece. And um, you're saying with earlier with not boxing yourself into anything like that. I mean, genre, why? Why bother? Why why confine yourself to one sound, to one to one idea? And this album just sort of gives it gives me a lot of different things, and it's a uh, it's a it's very fulfilling to listen to for me. Yeah, oh, I, I so feel I guess the mood for me is satisfied, very satisfied. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm I'm get images images for me, so. You know, the first time I heard Chromatopia, I think what I was expecting was more of your first album. And so I was just like, I don't get it yet. But I kept listening. And like, the more you listen, like the more it, it in a way that they might have even loved you does not. There is just like it's consuming. And so I listen to it and I feel like kind of like whiteness, uh, just like all colors together as a as a as a prism. And I'm kind of like in an ethereal space that isn't really solid and isn't gaseous either. It's not liquid. It's just kind of formless. And I'm there with people, but I don't see them. But I feel that they are close to me and they are people who love me and I love them. And if, you know, you you read about Buddhism at all, like if you reach enlightenment, you join like the great soul of humanity. And I feel like it's almost like I'm getting close to that. I'm getting close Whoa. to people <laughs> that aren't even big. there. Wow. Yep. I like That's, that you use that word consuming. Yeah. It's like, don't get me wrong. I love your first album so much, but it's more about like individual vignettes. Like each song tells its own story, I think. And Chromatopia itself tells the grand story that brings you in. It felt like an image, the visual, like closing my eyes and the, and the, the image was like something sort of transforming and changing shape and color kind of moving through time. That was kind of the what I felt with it. Wow. Uh, especially in like, like Water to Wine. That was kind of the one that that was the one that kind of did it for me. You know, that kind of yeah. took me there. So that That's was a right. weird one. Water to Wine is weird. Yeah. It's a weird song. <laughs> From uh, like even the creation of it was really kind of strange. I was trying to go to sleep and I have this thing where there's there's always you know when a song's stuck in your head? Mm-hmm. there's always songs stuck in my head, but they're not songs that are really there. You know what I mean? They're just... 
it's just my brain's so always like bing, 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 bing. Mm-hmm. and so every now and then I'll hear something that's like catchy. I'm like, whoa, like what could that be? Like that could be something. All the time. <laughs> I have thousands all the time I do this. Yes, absolutely. And and I, I remember falling asleep and being like and I was like writing down what could this be? And I wrote down fifty phrases that sounded like water into wine. Oh wow. And I was like, you know, um, it was like tomorrow when we die, uh, sorrow in the rye, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And eventually I said water into wine. I was like, that's an interesting concept. And it's biblical, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to kind of sound like the Beatles, which in the end it didn't sound like <laughs> at all. And then my voice just sounded like shit. Can I curse on here? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone asks. <laughs> But yes, we, can. We, can, we can talk about drugs all you want, oh but no God. swearing. <laughs> no, we're no, good. We're good. Swear. Cool. Did I just hear Cartman yeah. make an appearance? <laughs> yeah, that was. Wow. No cat, did you? So, nobody also wow. does impressions, uh, guys. I do. <laughs> wow. I really do. That was, uh, I mean, coming back to what you were saying about water to wine, yeah. it's almost as if, like, the muse was trying to speak to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like trying to, it's like the idea existed there, and you were just, like, pushing away to get to it. Well, yeah, that's what the muse is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they say, back in the day, you say he was kissed by the muse, and the muse is something that floats in there. Same thing with the genius. Like, the genius mm-hmm. originally was the ghost that whispers in your ear, and so, like, creativity is, is not, like, outward. Creativity is something, like, you recognize. And so I, I, I don't feel like I'm making anything. I just feel like I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, maybe let me take this and throw this at people, and maybe they think it's cool, too. You're like a vessel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you know, I, I don't want to sound, you know, without sounding like fake, humble, like, I'm just a vessel. Like, I don't do the work. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, creativity, it's the same thing. If, if, if we had true control over it, then there would be no one-hit wonders. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, you couldn't, you know, like... You could tell any artist, oh, oh, you just did that? Do it again tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't fucking really do it, you yeah. know? Like, I just had an idea. And the song just... wrote itself. Can't yeah. turn it on like a faucet. The yeah. good songs write themselves. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't sound like, you said it didn't quite sound like the Beatles, but it did have the same process of, of yes, it was your version of yesterday with the scrambled eggs just being in your head over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 you know how it sounds kind of Mickey Mouse in the beginning. It's kind of pitched up. It's a little like mm-hmm. eerie. It's because my voice just didn't sound good on it. I was like, I I I hate how I sound, and I I feel like, you know, as singers, we're all insecure about our voice and stuff. And I was just like, I don't know if I should be singing this. And then I pitched it up, and I was like, ooh, it sounds kind of cool, you know. And so everything was an accident. Love it. And yeah. That's good. Happy cool. accident. <laughs> All happy accidents. Yeah. Well, I'm getting close to the end of my drink, and I think that that means that it might be time to switch gears <laughs> to the next part of the episode. We talked for a long time. Yeah. Like yeah. I, yeah. I, I just stopped looking at the timer at one point. I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> just gonna, good. we're gonna, we're gonna follow this where it goes. We're gonna follow the time where I'm into the future. Hell yeah. Can't interrupt number. <laughs> we cannot. <laughs> we cannot. Uh, but I think it's time for Hashtag Mood. Who's ready to play a round of Hashtag Mood? Let's do it. Yeah. 
thank Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty for getting us oh, that amazing good. hashtag mood theme song. But anyway, hashtag mood is a game that we like to play at the end of every show to flex our playlist building skills. What we're going to do is go over to the tunes and tumblers hotline and play a message sent to us by a fan. Uh, this is however they've been feeling an idea that they've had recently. And it's just going to be, what inspires us to put a playlist together. Each of us will have a chance to pick one song that matches that mood. So I think we got a few to choose from today. Drew, are we, we, we have like a text message that we have to listen to today. Is the computer going to be reading that for us? Interesting. <laughs> All right. So it. we have a text message. Let's, let's listen to it. You have one new message. Hey, this is Laura. <laughs> I'm working on an indie film and my current mood is sitting in the desert watching an alien invasion. Also known as Teletubbies in space. <laughs> I've already got one. <laughs> That's our mood. Oh, I have my. a song about this, actually. <laughs> You've got one ready? Well, no, I have a song that I wrote about this. Then That's you are the, more than welcome to pick it. Is it out in the world it, right now? What, what, I, okay, so I have two songs. One is out. It's called To the Moon. Oh, there we Ooh, go. Oh, yeah. There we go. Literally yeah, about the yeah. invasion. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm choosing Spaceman by the Killers. Uh, oh. Just, I mean, started with a low light. Next thing you knew, they ripped me from my bed. They took my blood type. <laughs> it's about getting abducted by an alien and no one believing him. Right. Um, so I choose that, Spaceman. So I'm thinking Teletubbies, but I don't have any songs by the Teletubbies. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what other bands have kids shows and I know that nowadays the Aquabats have one. Oh, yeah. The Aquabats um, are doing a kid's show. And I think right. it's so appropriate. So I'm doing Martian Girl by, by the Aquabats. Love it. Love them. Love that they've so hard, like, they've committed to the bit over 30 years. And I just, I respect the hell out of it. I think I got one that makes sense for this. I do a, I do a radio show, or I, mm-hmm. it's on hiatus at the moment, but called The Occurrence. And I play songs with lyrics related to paranormal, otherworldly stuff. Whoa. Might be up your alley. It's right up your... Uh, it is, but it's I think dope. I got I to gotta pick... I've seen the saucers. Elton John. Oh, oh shit. From Caribou. That's um, a good pick. That's 1974, great. which has some great... Kind of an unsung Elton John album, I feel like. Yeah. You know... Um, if I may briefly tie this back to Chromatopia, please. Elton John was a huge inspiration, and there—I don't know if y'all noticed—there is a space theme throughout the record, because space to me, being an astronaut, space is the ultimate manifestation of like loneliness mm-hmm. and keeping your shit together, and that's how 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 kind of I feel during a breakup, sort of, and oh, so yeah. like I. A mad, I visualized a, a, an astronaut a lot while writing. Um, that's I mean, that's yeah. so cool that you brought it back there because I did have a question mm. written down for that idea of the astronaut lost in space. And we can throw this in if we want. Throw sure. it in. I was going to ask because that isolation can be so oppressive. How do we bring ourselves back? How, what is it that makes you feel most connected 
knowing that Sandra People. Bullock is in the space station, ready to reel me back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to say it, but having sex. Oh, well, yeah. Is yeah. a great, I mean, you know, who's not present when they're fucking? Uh, I guess it depends. Uh, <laughs> but no, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, ideally, you should be. I'm in a human yeah. sexuality class right now, and yeah. uh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you. No, it's it's more like the the point of view is uh, sex counseling, and mm. um, presence is something that does bring couples together during sex, but it's not something that's universal. If you've got that perspective, then you're on the right track. You should be present. You should be in the moment. Hundred percent. I, I, I particularly. Um, like the fact that I'm present when I'm having inter- intercourse, yeah, sexual relations. Um, I I don't care what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't care what I did yesterday. I don't care what's happening in an hour. I'm just right there, and I'm committed to a thing. Oh, sort of, yeah. sort of like I mean, you know, you could argue video games are the same thing, or eating food. Thing. Yeah, um, we're, we're, only get, something that only gets more enjoyable the more present you are. That idea of presence shouldn't be special. It should just be what happens. I know what you mean. Um, I mean, it's also like, it is the sort of most, I mean, physically speaking, it's like the most, it's like the final frontier of getting to know someone in a, in a sense, physically. Um, so it involves a lot of vulnerability and it's also like, exciting not just because of the sensation it's just like the idea that like wow this person is really doing this with me like what like you know it's just like, like how it's, the wow, fuck this person true, likes though. me like yeah. this person we were at a cafe fully closed several hours ago and now i you know and part of me is still like a little kid in this way where i'm just like whoa <laughs> yeah. and my mom <laughs> My mom said something really funny. Maybe she fucked me up by saying this, but who knows. She said, Noah, like, you're Taurus and a Scorpio rising, and you have Pluto in whatever house, and it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. But most people, most people will need to get to know somebody before they sleep with them. You, like, like having that connection with a person is how you get to know people. So understand that you're very different in this way than a lot of people. And there is always like a, an idea that like intellectually and sexually, those things are very connected to each other. And as much as I'm a sexual being, I, I never liked one night stands or flings or I don't like superficial encounters in that sense, you know? And so like, I am I am through and through like a a, a a sensory person where like stimulation is a big part of part of it and I don't like if it's just like half assed. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so like having that presence and especially with someone that you care about is like a really powerful powerful thing. That's a good note to end on, I think. I think so too. Mm. I have so much to chew on after this <laughs> conversation. God, man, is it really already 10 o'clock? Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, if you have a mood of your own, you can leave us a message. <laughs> oh, my God. By calling or texting the Tunes and Tumblers hotline at 626-604-6477.
Let's, or a fantasy. You have <laughs> or a fantasy. A fantasy. Tell us up. how present you were last time you had sex. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Your favorite artist just may hear about that on the air. Well, the bar is closing up. Um, I'm to the point of my drink where it's just melted sherbet, and it's still delicious, but it's time for me to go home. Uh, before we go, does anyone have lingering thoughts about chromatopia, about presence, about microdosing, about the spectrum of human existence? Just those things. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. just those things real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Some quick thoughts on the spectrum of human existence. <laughs> you want to just wrap up? We got ten seconds. <laughs> what is what is the meaning of life, everyone? I don't know. Chromatopia seems like a planet I'd want to go to. There oh. we go. Let's do let's get the immersive immersive bar experience going. The chromatopia bar. <gasps> oh, shit. The pop up chromatopia bar coming soon. <laughs> We're manifesting it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> putting it out there we're making it happen indeed Noah, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we say goodnight um i'd like to say thank you and i have a tour coming up in the fall oh shit and um you know stay classy stay classy right everyone <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show yeah, yeah thank you thanks and thank you for coming by last minute to actually share this in person with us delightful oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. Thanks for the drink. drink. Oh, you're very amazing. welcome. Amazing. You're very welcome. Amazing. My pleasure. We're telling you folks, these drinks are amazing. Make them yourselves and tag us. We would love to see your creations. Tag us. Actually, take a them. video. Show me your process, and then I'm going to give you some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Bartending school with Pedro. Some gentle but thorough. Ben, gentle yes. but thorough. <laughs> a gentle but firm hand with Pedro. <laughs> coming soon and thank you all for listening to tunes and tumblers tunes and tumblers is an atwood magazine podcast be sure to like the show and atwood on every platform also please give us a little rating and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast it really helps us out a lot also if you go into the episode description and scroll to the very bottom you'll find a link where you can give monetary support to the pod all that money goes to making sure that the ones and zeros on drew's computer stay rolling <laughs> and that we don't have any catastrophic failures. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by that one and only Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. 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 cheers.